The last uh, time that I remember calling a suicide hotline, I had just moved to L.A. It was back in 2008, and I was very lonely and wondered if I'd done the right thing. I was confused. I was down on myself. And one night, I hit a wall and uh, called a suicide hotline and spent maybe an hour talking to a young woman who was very kind and seemed very thoughtful and sympathetic and obviously meant well. And uh, she recommended that I read a book called Think Big and Kick Ass by Donald Trump because she thought I needed some more confidence and that that book would help me build my self-esteem. I I have skimmed it since then. Uh, I'm a little bit put off by the zero-sum view of the world, but I don't normally get practical advice from suicide hotlines, so I at least will give her credit for uh, having an actionable tip. Hello, everyone. Welcome to You, Me, Them, Everybody. My name is Brandon Weatherby. So what you just heard is Emerson Dameron. Emerson is my old friend, uh, one of my favorite people. And, uh, yeah, we had a long conversation about suicide hotlines. And then we talked off uh, off air while not being recorded. I don't want to violate anyone's privacy. So uh, then he said, hey, I got one more thing to add. So that's what you just heard. What you just heard is that one more thing to add. And I'm really glad he made me add that thing. If you are listening to this on iTunes or youmethemeverybody.com, we have a Patreon. Uh, the link to that is in the description of this here episode. Uh, please consider donating because things are just so good. You might have too much money that you want to give away. So uh, once again, youmethemeverybody.com. And if you're on Spotify listening to this, uh, go to youmethemeverybody.com and go to our About page, and that's where you can find the Patreon link. Or if you'd like to subscribe on iTunes, it's all there, youmethemeverybody.com. Here's more with Emerson Demron. Where are you? I'm in my car, which is far and away the best uh, recording studio that I can get right now. Why are you in your car? Uh, It's quiet, relatively. Uh, They're testing the fire alarms in my building, so I don't have to worry about that. Uh, It's a place of peace. I spend a lot of time in my car, and uh, I, I feel like I can be who I really am when no one is looking, even though sometimes people are. Do you feel like you're missing out on a part of who you are because you're not going in your car every day like you used to? Yes. Uh, well, it's changed my habits in a, in a practical way. Like I was listening to a lot of podcasts and audio books. And I don't do that nearly as much now that I'm not driving every day. And also, it's taken away that little um, window of time where I can think things through. And uh, it's because it can feel a little bit like playing a a very bad video game. Driving Uh, or driving? Driving. Okay. But on the plus side, I save a couple of hours every day. I don't have to worry about hitting Dodgers traffic on the way home. Uh, I'm wondering if I'm ever going to have to worry about any of those things again, which is a little bit horrifying. But uh, I'm extremely fortunate compared to a lot of other people that I know. I have a job I'm basically taken care of for the moment 
um, I fairly buffered against the uh, the horror that's happening in some other parts of the world and is much closer to home for a lot of people that I know. Do you feel safe in your job? Will your job still be here in six months if this is still going on in six months? I don't want to jinx it. Uh, it's in healthcare, so yeah. I feel like it's that that's probably going to be in in demand for a while. But I have no idea. I don't think anyone does. Has this changed your personal uh, view of healthcare because of your job? Like, I don't want to get you in trouble where you work or anything like that. But um, is healthcare essential? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I I don't want to get into the politics of it, but. Um, I think that healthcare is something everyone should have whenever they need it. Well, that's a controversial that's opinion. A controversial. Uh, well, I, I think if we are going to go on a on the system that we have, I think everyone should have a job and have lots of money to pay for healthcare that way. Have, I'm assuming you currently have healthcare. Yes. Is it through your employer? Uh, no, it's through my wife's insurance. Okay. Does your employer offer health care? I'm an independent contractor. So the agency <laughs> that I that I work through does offer health care. I'm a W-2, so I, I'm not a freelancer in the sense that most people think of. But it's this is just easier logistically for me. No, I understand, but you see yeah. the irony in that, right? I do, yes. Okay, good. Fantastic. Uh, this is a dark time for a lot of people. This is the weird because I'm calling you from the warmest day in Washington, D.C. thus far. Um, my kid just went into a kiddie pool for the first time. So, like, I'm coming from that to talking about heaviness. And, uh, Are the kiddie pools open in, no, 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 uh, like in we, D.C.? We put one in the yard. Oh, okay. And the yeah, that makes no, more sense. They're not open. <laughs> Yeah, we the, our beaches are shut down, and it's uh, it's weird. I like the dichotomy, and I hope I'm using that word correctly. Of the light and the dark, um, the 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 joy, the life and the death, like t- t- dealing with a nine month old, and just like pure joy, and then everything surrounding it is, seems to be like the opposite of that. <laughs> it's yin and yang, a breakfast. So let's talk about the death, if that's okay with you. Let's do it. All right. Uh, I I told you what I tell everyone about this uh, when we record, like, hey, all this is contingent on my kid's nap time, number one, and then also number two, is there anything specific you want to talk about? And you brought up something that I've thought about, um, and I'm glad you want to talk about it, suicide hotlines. Um, That's right. Now, do you want to talk about suicide hotlines and things you call in? Or the band, the Suicide Machines, Machine might be a voicemail, uh, voicemail, an answering machine. So do you want to talk about the Suicide Machines, a like fourth generation, if not generation, fourth wave punk ska band, or actual Suicide Hotlines? I have no memory of the band, so let's talk about the, the hotline. All right, that's fine. I thought you wanted to talk about the band. No, I that's not, I have nothing to say about well, that. Well, now I'm just not prepared in any way. Well, I can start uh, if you like. <laughs> yeah, because you um, you're a performer, and um, that's right. The, I did. I I understand. I like this video that you sent me. I've watched it a while ago. Uh, take it from here. I have a almost lifelong history of pretty severe depression. Uh, when 
I was young. I was kind of a weird kid that spent a lot of time by himself exploring in the woods. And I always found it difficult to connect with other kids. I think that was really how it started is I really wanted to connect and I had a lot of trouble bonding with other people. And that led to a lot of anxiety and anger and frustration, which was kind of exhausting to the point where I almost sought out depression as a relief from that anxiety. Like when I started to identify as a, as a depressed person when I was 13 or so, it was kind of a relief because I had a label that explained what was wrong with me and I didn't have to worry so much about whether I fit in or whether I was going to do everything that I wanted to do because I had this diagnosis that kind of prescribed my life to some degree, which maybe was useful in a sense, but also tended to be something that fed into itself and may, you know, left things open for me to get more and more depressed as time went on. Uh, the, and I was lonely a lot of the time. I grew up out in the sticks without a lot of other kids around. As I said, I, I had trouble making friends. And a lot of times I didn't have anyone at hand to have frank conversations with. Uh, and sometimes things would get really heavy in like the, the middle of the night and I would want to reach out and talk to someone, which is how I discovered suicide hotlines. Uh, I think the first time I called one, I was maybe 15 years old. I definitely remember calling them uh, when I was in college. Uh, a lot of times that's when I also started drinking very heavily, which sometimes could make it easier to connect with other people and sometimes could go the opposite way where I turfed out and would be alone with my thoughts in the middle of the night and my thoughts would be racing and I would be eager to get another person involved. And uh, I, I think what I didn't realize at the time is that uh, suicide hotlines are mostly run by volunteers. Uh, it's not a lucrative thing. Uh, people are trained somewhat, but, but not really, you know, there's no way you can be really qualified with a capital Q to deal with those kinds of issues. Nobody really knows how to do that. So it would be, it would start kind of scripted. Generally the thing that they want to do first is make sure that you're not actually going to kill yourself. Like if you're standing on an overpass over the 110 and you're ready to jump off, then there's not a lot they can do except call the police. Now, really quick, when they get through, it sounds like you're actually on an overpass right now. I'm, I guess I'd be. It's hard to get too far away from an overpass where I am. Okay. Is that okay? Is that no, can you hear me? All right. I'm just. I realize what you're talking about, and as you're saying it, like you hear traffic all of a sudden for the first time. I, as far as you know, I am on an overpass oh, right now. If, but here's the thing. If I was, I would not tell you because then you would have to call the police and our conversation would be over. I don't think you realize where things work. I don't have to do anything. I could just be a bad person. You're legally obligated to, to do that. I could say that this is a radio play. You can't harm me is what I'm saying. <laughs> 
see when you use your dramatic license and just let me fall yeah. into traffic. Yeah, because that would be really the country good. in a global pandemic. No one cares about either of us. You would get more listeners to your podcast <laughs> that way, I think. Unfortunately, I think that, you're correct. That, yes. Uh, unfortunately, that's what people like to consume, uh, especially right now. But continue. I apologize uh, for interrupting. Oh, not not at all. Um, so that you would go through part of it would be kind of scripted, and then eventually you would get into the part where the personality of the operator that you were talking to started to come out a little bit more. Um, in when I was in college, I eventually kind of burned out on. Uh, well, I I always I, I never really stopped doing it, but I discovered uh, in, I think, my sophomore year of college that uh, rather that when I got really drunk and depressed in the middle of the night, if rather than calling the suicide hotline, I called uh, women that I knew, just anyone on my list of phone numbers, there was a greater than zero probability that she would come over and sleep with me. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And that happened enough that I decided that was a better way to, a better go-to plan than than calling suicide hotlines. I started calling them again uh, after my a really bad breakup, after I'd been in Chicago for about a year. I was going through a rough patch. And there was one instance where I was very, very drunk and they went through the, the bit about, or do you have a concrete plan to harm yourself? And I don't think I answered convincingly that, that I didn't. I think I was totally incoherent because the next thing I remember, I had, I was waking up. I think I'd been passed out for a bit and there was somebody banging on the door of my apartment and it turned out it was somebody from the Chicago fire department and there were several emergency vehicles outside with the lights flashing. And then I had to convince those people that I, I was in fact, okay. And I think that resulted in me at least taking that more seriously and not calling suicide hotlines when I had no business doing that. I don't really do it much anymore for a couple of reasons, but the the main one is that I'm uh, courteous to the bitter end. I don't want to waste the time of volunteers, and if I have an alternative to that, I will take it. Now, do you think you actually wasted anyone time anyone's time when you called any suicide hotlines, or... You were providing the exact purpose for there being a suicide hotline. I think objectively the latter. I think one of the symptoms of depression is that you feel like a blight on the world and you assume that anyone's time that you're asking for is, is going to resent giving it to you. So I think that's it's but you're probably closer to the truth. So that's good. Yeah, I gave them something to do. Yeah. Do you feel like now is your time to thrive? Because these are the things you said. Uh, 
you, as a child, you would explore in the woods. The woods are the only place we're allowed to go to right now. And here are the four thing, four words you use to describe uh, that time. And now, depression, anger, frustration, and anxiety. This is your time to thrive. You would think so. And I may yet find a, find a good angle. And well, as we discussed, things are actually not going horribly badly for me at the moment. So, yeah, maybe... Uh, the world has just come around and it's, I, I will make something wonderful of this. I have three more months to do it because uh, Mayor Garcetti has told us that hot girl summer is canceled and we're going to be staying at home for the next three months. So maybe I've been revving up for the last three and maybe I'm really going to take off now. Do you feel like you're, you, you should be creating something from this? I would say that I am actually, uh, I am working on some, uh, interstitial bits for a local theater group called public assembly that used to do live theater and has started doing a radio show instead or like a, a radio show on SoundCloud. Sure. So, and I've been, that's been taking up a good amount of my time. Uh, I've also been doing some of the weird Zoom storytelling shows that some of my live storytelling compatriots here have been doing to try to keep the scene alive. And that's been fun. And it's also kind of cool because the people that I know from Chicago or from elsewhere in the country have a chance to see what I'm doing which normally they couldn't if it's in a in a bar somewhere here. So I've actually been keeping pretty busy. And I think I've been doing, you know, when this first started, I don't know if you remember, oh, there were a lot of hustle bros on Twitter that were saying, like, if you don't come out of this with a novel, uh, a course, uh, and three new businesses, you're a bitch. And it turns out that it's, it's kind of hard to be that productive when you're grieving, which is what <laughs> everyone's doing right now. Uh, and a good line. you don't hear, you don't hear as much of that because we're mourning the old world because it's gone. Like whatever happens after this is going to be new and it's not going to be like it was last year. But I think I'm starting to process it enough to start doing more writing and doing a little bit more work. And, uh, yeah, I think that it, I may yet find that this is a super productive time in my life. Uh, I have no time to be productive because the global pandemic is not really much different than my paternity leave. So it's just, sticking yeah, to you have a, you have a young, young child to look after. Yeah. So uh, this is just the same now, except I, I miss going to the grocery store the most. You can't go to the grocery store. I can, but I used to go like every day to pick up like one or oh, two yeah, that, items. <laughs> that's so you just liked going to the grocery store just to be. There. Yeah, I love seeing it because I like to think about what I'm going to make, or things I could possibly make, or just knowing that the supply chain is working. Yeah, well, it's it's not, and now you can't go. To, well, you have to go like once every couple of weeks exactly. and, and stock up. Yeah, and that's not fun. That just reminds me of like panic, and I don't want to live in panic. Yeah, that's about the only. Well, I've started 
I, I went for a hike up in the Hollywood Hills last Saturday, which was just glorious. I, I, the nice thing is every time I get out, especially if I can get into nature, I feel like I'm on drugs. Uh, but normally about the only thing I can do is go to the grocery store. And yeah, that's incredibly depressing right now. You, I've known you because of Chicago. You currently live in California, but you're originally from South Carolina. Is that correct? North Carolina. North Carolina, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, uh, Nebo, North Carolina. Nebo. I knew it was Nebo, but I didn't know which one. Which one? I don't know which Carolina it's from. Um, <laughs> there are there are multiple Nebos around the country. Are there really? That's the only one I'm from. Yeah, I think there's North Dakota and a couple of other ones. What does it stand for? It's biblical. Oh, okay. Well, that's boring now. Okay, so of yeah, the three too places, much to get into. which do you are you glad you're currently in L.A. or do you wish you were in Chicago or Nebo? No, I'm glad I'm here. Uh, I mean, I, I miss my mom and my brother and my nieces, uh, but this is for my favorite place to be right now for a few reasons. Uh, it's a city of hustlers. Like, even before any of this started, everyone I know here has like five different things that they're doing at a time. So we're primed for this. Everyone's pretty creative. You know, people are already coming up with new ways to do things. And it's really encouraging to see that. Also, it, there's always a, a level of chaos, like a, just ambient, um, ongoing catastrophe in L.A. that makes this a little bit less of a transition for us than it is for some other cities. Do you still live in a big building? Yeah, I live right downtown at the moment. Are you glad you live in a big building? I'm not glad that it's this uh, constricted. I would really love to have a, uh, a, a not. It doesn't necessarily have to be a mansion, but I would love to have a like a mid-century modern home somewhere with some space around it. So I wasn't spending literally every day in the same room. Yeah. How's that helping How's with that your helping? mental state? If you're you want to talk about suicide hotlines. I feel like it's fair to ask. Uh, it's, it wasn't great at first. I, I will not lie to you. Sure. Uh, the first couple of months were brutal. I would say the fact that I haven't gone completely barking mad has been encouraging. I, I always, I, I've, I'm a restless soul. I like to move around. I like to do a lot of different things. And I remember I used to think, I don't know how someone would survive even like six months in, in prison, not being able to leave the room would, I would go completely out of my mind. And now I know that I can do something that's not dissimilar from that and be kind of okay. So now not you're like, considering what, certainly not. Going oh, go to ahead. And that, if I have to do it, I think I, I'll make it. Yeah. I was not sure about that before, but it, I think now I know that I can do my time and do something useful with it and not start pulling my teeth out with pliers, which is what I assumed I would be doing. 